You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. This happens in our lives when we distance ourselves from believers. When we choose to distance ourselves, not come to church, not come to thing, regardless of a pandemic, I'm I'm excluding that, but when we don't fellowship with the believers, when we don't fellowship and come and worship together, we distance ourselves from other believers, we too have problem in our spiritual life. There's a problem in your spiritual life if you're not fellowshipping with believers. Forsake not the gathering of the brethren, it says. We need to be here. Why? Because we need each other. The tribes that didn't fully enter the promised land didn't receive the full abundant blessing that God had for his people. They were distant and quickly enticed by the world around them. Today, Pastor Dave will encourage you to remain close in fellowship to God's people. You'll be encouraged and greatly strengthened. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Chronicles chapter 5 as he continues his message, Names, Names, and More Names. What is peculiar about Reuben, Gad, and half a tribe of Manasseh? They never crossed the Jordan River. When Joshua was ready to come into the promised land, Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of uh, Gad, and half the tribe of Manasseh said, we want to stay here on this side. Instead of going into the promised land, they stayed on the east side of the Jordan. They did not go in. Now, they did go in and help Joshua conquer the land, and then they went back to their home. And I've always taught about this as the promised land is always a symbol of what? John 10.10, the abundant life. The promised land is always a symbol of the abundant life. What I always teach is is that Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh didn't take full advantage of what God had for them. And they were blessed. Don't get me wrong. They were blessed to a point. But they didn't take what God had for them. They were satisfied over here. And I relate that to some of our Christianity. We're happy where God has us and we don't want to move forward. We don't want to take all that God has for us. And you know what? I equate that sometimes with how some of us feel towards the Holy Spirit. Well, I think the Holy Spirit is good and everything, but I don't want much more. I don't want to speak in tongues. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. So we hold back from what God might really want to do in your life. He might want to do something really special in your life. And I think that the Reubenites and Gad and half a tribe of Manasseh lost out. They lost out. Now, they still got a blessing. Now, just because you don't want the Holy Spirit in, you know, in that form to be baptized with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean you're not saved. When you become saved and born again, the Holy Spirit indwells in you. But you're missing out. You're missing out on the power. You're missing out on the boldness. You're missing out on a, a whole new life. I think you're missing out on the abundant life. That's my opinion. I think you're missing out on the abundant life by saying no when the Holy Spirit wants to give you such power and such joy and such gifts. I think that's happening here. 
And in verses one and two of chapter five, it says, now the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, was indeed the firstborn. But because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel, so that the genealogy is not listed according to the birthright. Yet Judah prevailed over his brothers, and from him came a ruler, although the birthright was Joseph's. So Joseph got the birthright, Judah got the blessing. Judah got the blessing, and from his line comes the Messiah. But because of Reuben slept with one of the concubines that, uh, that um, Jacob or Israel had, he defiled his father's bed, he was cut out. Maybe that's why he chose to stay over there. I don't know. We don't really know. Some things are left to our imagination. Imagination. Look at verse 10. 10 of chapter 5. Now, in the days of Saul, they made war against the Hagrites, who fell by their hand, and they dwelt in their tents throughout the entire area east of Gilead. The Haggites were Arabs. You know their mother. What was her name? Hagar. She was the mother of the Arabs. Ishmael's mother, Hagar, was the mother of the Arabs. So from her came these Haggarites. Came these Haggarites who are talked about here in verse 10. Beginning in verse 11 now, we see the family of Gad in 18 through 22. You can see all the Gadites. Excuse me, 11 through 22. But let's read 18 through 22. The sons of Reuben, the Gadites, and half the tribe of Manasseh had 44,760 valiant men, men able to bear shield and sword, to shoot with bow, and skillful in war who went to war. They made war with the Hagrites, Detour, Nahish, Naphish, and uh, Nodad. And they helped against them, and the Hagrites were delivered into their hand, and all who were with them, for they cried out to God in the battle. He heeded their prayer because they put their trust in him. Ah. So here is this group of men who are warring while they were on the other side of the river, and God still blessed them. Why did God bless them? Because they cried out to God. If my people who are called by my name, the whole thing, think about it. They cried out to God and God helped them because they were part of God's family. They were still God's children. They were still God's children, but they were at a distance from the people of Israel, the true people of Israel. They were at a distance from them and this hurt their general life and it hurt their spiritual life. It weakened their devotion to God and it strengthened their attraction to other gods. This happens in our lives when we distance ourselves from believers. When we choose to distance ourselves, not come to church, not come to thing, regardless of a pandemic, I'm I'm excluding that, but when we don't fellowship with the believers, when we don't fellowship and come and worship together, we distance ourselves from other believers, we too have problem in our spiritual life. There's a problem in your spiritual life if you're not fellowshipping with believers. Forsake not the gathering of the brethren, it says. We need to be here. Why? Because we need each other. We need each other. Iron, sharpening iron. We pray for each other. We lift each other up. We go through trials with each other. We go through tragedies with others, with each other. We are constantly with each other and we learn about each other. It's called fellowship. And I contend that that was one of the things that Satan wanted to do with this pandemic. He cut out fellowship. Remember the four pillars of the early church? 
Apostles' doctrine, breaking of the bread, fellowship, and prayer. The table. Take away one of the legs of the table, the table falls. Satan thought he could take away our fellowship. And look what happened. There's a teetering going on. A lot of people haven't returned, haven't come back. They're afraid. And I am not disrespecting their fear, please. But you see what's happening here. You take away one of those legs of the table and the table falls. It's important that we have the apostles' doctrine, which is the word of God, that we have prayer, that we have communion, breaking of bread, and that we have fellowship one to another. That's what the whole book of 1 John is about, talking about fellowship one to another. So the tribes on the eastern side of the River Jordan don't finish very well. They do not finish very well. Look at 25 and 26 in chapter 5. And, and they were unfaithful to God, of the, to the God of their fathers, and played the harlot after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God had destroyed before them. So the God of Israel stirred up the spirit of Pul, king of Assyria, that is Tiglath-Pizler, king of Assyria, he carried the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh into captivity. He took them to Hala, Habor, Hara, and the river of Gozan to this day. They didn't finish well. They did the same thing that Israel did and Judah did, that the northern tribe did and the southern tribe did. They did the exact same thing. They played the harlot. What does that mean? They worshiped other gods. It's called spiritual adultery in the Bible. The Bible calls it spiritual adultery. God says, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And when we go after another God, regardless of what that God is, it's spiritual adultery. When we start worshiping other things, sometimes we start worshiping good things. They're good, but we worship them and they become idols to us and God has to deal with us. Didn't Jesus say, unless a man hates his mother and father and brother and sister, you'll have no part of me? And people go, well, what do you mean hate? I don't want to hate. No, he's saying, unless I'm not the priority of your life, you're not truly following me. Unless I'm not the priority of your life, you're not truly following me. So we have the tribes on the east side of there. So as we begin chapter 6, moving along, we come to the family of Levi. The Levites had a very important job. Their job was to serve the Lord. And they served the Lord in all sorts of ways. Carrying the tabernacle, putting up the tabernacle every now and then, doing all these things. Levi's were priests. Levi's were priests. Not all Levi's. Not all priests were Levi's. Certain priests. We'll get to that in a minute. But look at verses 2 and 3 in chapter 6. Well, let's read one. The sons of Levi were Gershom, Kohath, and Merai. The sons of Kohath were Amram, Ishkar, Hebron, and Uziel. Stop right there. If you look at number three, you're going to get the answer here. The children of Amram were Aaron, Moses, and Miriam. Who was Moses' mom? Gotcha. <laughs> Who was Moses' mom? Mommy, yes, you mommy. <laughs> good, good answer. I can't go against that one. That was good. In Exodus 6, verse 20, 
Now Amram took for himself Yoshebed, his father's sister, as wife, and she bore him Aaron and Moses. So Yoshebed was Moses' mom, or Yoshebel. They've been called Yoshebel in other places. Miriam, the sister, followed Moses a lot. In fact, there's this beautiful thing in Exodus 15. In Exodus 15, verse 20, after they have crossed the Red Sea, there's this beautiful, beautiful song. It's called the Song of Moses. And Moses breaks out into song after they cross the Red Sea and the Egyptians are all killed. Moses breaks out in this gorgeous song about that. And you can read that at the beginning of chapter 15 of Exodus. But in verse 20 of chapter 15, it says, Then Miriam, the prophetess, so his sister was a prophetess. She's a sister of Aaron and Moses took the timbrel in her hand and all the women went out with her with timbrels and with dances and Miriam answered them, sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously the horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. (laughs) Short and sweet. Short and sweet. So anyhow, that's Miriam, Moses' sister right there. In verses 3 through 30, you see the sons of Levi. From verse 3 through 30, we have the sons of Levi. As I said before, the entire tribe of Levi had a special purpose. In fact, if you look at verse 15, Jehozadak went into captivity when the Lord carried Judah and Jerusalem into captivity by the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. So a lot of these Levites went into captivity when Judah was taken away. So we have these sons of Levi. The next part of the sons, if you look at verses 31 through 48, you have the worship team. All those who would sing songs, all those who would make merry, all those who would sing, the worship team. I love it. Now these are the men whom David appointed over the service of the song in the house of the Lord after the ark came to rest. They were ministering with music before the dwelling place of the tabernacle of meeting until Solomon had built the house of the Lord in Jerusalem and they served in their office according to their order. And you have that whole list of people who were the worship team. They were the worship team for the Israelites. Everybody, Every church has to have a worship team, right? Go back a little bit. I forgot something that I want to talk to you about. Look at verse 27 of chapter 6. Look at verse 27 of chapter 6. Talking about these Levites. It says, Elab, his son, Jehoram, his son, and Elkanah, his son. Then it says, the sons of Samuel were Joel, firstborn, and Abijah, the second. Whose father was Samuel? It says right there, Elkanah, Elkanah. If you look at 1 Samuel 1, we studied it. 1 Samuel 1, 1 Samuel 1 says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathan Zophim of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroman, the son of Elihu, the son of Tobu, the son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives, the name of was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penaniah, and Penaniah had no children. It goes on and on and on. In eight, uh, so we see that, and you look at the names of the same, Jeroam, Elkanah, Elib, the names match up. Verse 39. Look at the name in verse 39. Who sees a familiar name in verse 39? 
Asaph, yes, Asaph. This is the first time Asaph is mentioned in the Bible. The Asaph in 2 Kings is a different guy. This Asaph was a man of wide and long-lasting influence among God's people. In 1 Chronicles it mentioned 15, it mentions him as a singer. In 1 Chronicles 16, he's the chief of the ceremony in bringing the ark to Jerusalem. In verse uh, 16, 7, David delivered a psalm to Asaph at that ceremony. We know that 12 psalms in the book of Psalms are written and given credit to Asaph. Psalm 50 and Psalm 73 through 83, all there. In verses 49 through 53, we come to the family of Aaron. Aaron was Moses' brother. He was Moses' big brother. He was born first because he's listed first in the, in the genealogy. Within the tribe of Levi, there was a special priestly family that all descended with the, from the very first priest who was Aaron. Aaron was there. All priests, therefore, are Levites, but not all Levites are priests. Levites have a special job. What's interesting here is that if you look here, it says, but Aaron and his sons offered sacrifices on the altar of burnt offering and on the altar of incense for all the work of the most holy place and made atonement for Israel according to all that Moses, the servant of God, had commanded. And these are the sons of Aaron, Eleazar, his son, Phineas his son, and Abishah, his son, and so on. There are two names missing. There are two names missing in that group. Can anybody tell me their names by any chance? Yep. Nadab and Abihu. Right. Why are their names missing? They had they offered strange fire to the Lord, and the Lord killed them. You can find that in Leviticus 10, verse 3. They offered strange fire to the Lord, and the Lord killed them. So they're not even listed. Very much like, if you remember when we did First Chronicles 1, Cain and Abel are not listed. Cain and Abel are not listed in the genealogy. So the Levites served God in every conceivable way you can imagine, practically and spiritually. Every kind of service now that you do is important to God. Everything you do is important to God when you do it with the right heart. Do all things according to the Lord, it says. And when you do all things according to the Lord, God will bless that. And he will see that. If it's washing toilets, if it's scrubbing floors, whatever it may be, taking care of someone, helping the sick, whatever you're doing, if you do it as unto the Lord, the Lord recognizes that. But if you're doing it with groaning and grumbling and complaining, there's no blessing in that, folks. There's no blessing in that. There's no blessing in that. So God looks at every kind of service and he doesn't deem any service more important than the other. And I've said this before and I contend it. That, you know, we always think that when we get to heaven, there's going to be this long line of saints. And you always wonder, who's at the front of the line? Who's at the front of the line? Well, in my opinion, it's the little old lady who's been scrubbing floors all her life. All her life she's been scrubbing floors and nobody has ever given her the time of day or recognized anything that she does. But the entire time she's scrubbing floors, she's praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. 
I think she's up at the front. She's not doing it for recognition. She's not doing it for anything except the Lord. All she wants to do is please her God. Man, that's the heart I want. Oh, man, that's the heart I want. Huh? Come on. That's the heart I want. And that's what I think. I, I, that's my opinion. In verses 54 through 81 now, you see where the Levites lived. They were not giving a piece of property like the rest of the tribes. They were not giving property to own like the rest of the tribes because Levites served God. Therefore, their portion or inheritance was God. So each tribe had to cut out some places for their cities for them to live. And that's how the Levites lived. They lived within a tribe and they ministered to that tribe but they didn't basically own the land. It was basically said, okay, this is your plot of ground. Then you can live here, Levite. And that's what they did. So each tribe had their own religion men living with them. And you can see that. According to Numbers 18.20, that's what you can read about. The inheritance was the Lord. And the people gave tithes and offerings to God. And it was brought to the Levites for distribution, and they were able to live off of that. They were given Hebron in the land of Judah and the surrounding areas, and they were all over the place. Look at Numbers 35. You can read all about it as you study God's word. Moving into chapter 7, we come to the family of Ishkachar. Ishkachar and his descendants in the first five verses of 7. I love verses 2 to 5. And he talks about the sons there. The sons of Tolert were mighty men of valor in their generations. Their number in the days of David was 22,600. Then he talks more about that. and says, and with them, by their generations, according to their father's houses, were 36,000 troops ready for war. For they had been many wives and sons. Now their brethren among all the families of Ishkatar were mighty men of valor. There's that word again. Listed by their genealogies, 87,000 in all. So a rather small tribe, a rather insignificant tribe. However, one of the things I want to get you to understand is if it's in the Bible, it's not insignificant. There is nothing insignificant in God's word. There's nothing we should overlook. Now, I didn't read all of these names per se, but you can. You can go back and look at them because you have to remember, these guys, although they didn't enter to be great men, but they were mighty men of valor and they warred against the invaders with David. Without them, David probably wouldn't have conquered as much as he conquered, except we know he had the Lord. I'm not taking anything away from the Lord, heaven forbid. But these men were there. They were available. And that's what service to the Lord is, being available. You want to serve the Lord? Make yourself available. Make yourself available, not only to him, to either the church, to your friend, but make yourself available. That's how we serve the Lord. You are Thank you for joining us here today on Assure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of 1 Chronicles. This book follows the kingship of David from the time he was anointed king by the people until his death. Partway through, we watched David become troubled because he had a grand house, but the ark of the Lord remained in a tent. He wanted to build the temple for the Lord, but because he was a man of war, God chose Solomon to build it instead. 
Still, we see that David's heart was for God every step of the way. When Solomon was going to build the temple, David gave him an offering of gold, silver, and bronze for it. Is there a mission field you'd like to have joined? Don't let the limitations of this life keep you from offering your best. If you can't go yourself, you can still give to the people who God sends. We're so glad we get to spend this time with you today. A Sure Hope is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. If you're in the area, we'd love to see you on a Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30. And if you're an early riser, come seek the Lord's face together with us in prayer before the services at 7.30. You can find everything you need to know on our website, assurehoperadio.com. Once again, that's assurehoperadio.com. And don't worry, if you can't make it in person, on the website you'll find links to our live stream. Don't forget to come back next time as we study the word together on Assure Hope. Set our hope on the base. Sure.